So, as you know, we've been talking about wise friendships. Here are the four uh, things that we talked about the first two last time, and I'll finish the the last two here today. We talked about constancy. That's the quality of being faithful and dependable. We talked about candor. That's the ability to be open and honest in your expression. But as we're going to learn today, candor without carefulness can create some problems. And so that's where we want to get to the third one today, carefulness. This is being mindfully concerned when you're communicating with someone, when you're building a friendship with someone. And then lastly, counsel, which is really about giving aid for attaining the perfection like Christ. Amen? So let's continue with the next two characteristics. Carefulness. Carefulness urges wisdom and consideration and how to live out the life of a friendship, but not in an overly timid or cautious sense. Proverbs, as we've looked at, can give us some wisdom. What are we talking about when we're talking about carefulness? You're going to actually like these Proverbs. Proverbs 25.20. Are you ready? You want me to continue? Okay, all right. It says, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, I know we don't have a lot of those days in Texas, but if it were, or like vinegar poured on a wound. Anyone ever try that? Not fun. Is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Did you just get that? Is it wrong to sing? To rejoice? No, except in the context of not being careful when someone's down, when someone's discouraged. See... It's great to be open, to have candor, to express what's on your heart. But if we're not careful, even what appears right is wrong. If someone's really mourning or they're they're really going through a hard experience and you just come up, Hey, brother, it's such a wonderful day. It's like taking away a garment on a cold day. It's like pouring vinegar on a wound. So even the right thing, when done at the wrong time, is wrong. Do you see the carefulness that we need to have in our friendship? You didn't like that one? Anyone here have a hard time getting up in the morning? Okay, you're going to like this scripture. Proverbs 27, 14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Is that not true? You know, some of us, we have relationships where one is more of the early riser, full of energy, smiles from the morning they get up, and then you have others who take a little bit longer. And see, if you're the grumpy one, and the one that's a little more cheerful goes, Good morning! They don't take that very well. The Bible actually says they take it as a curse. Right? And those of us who've been cheerful to a grumpy person knows that's how it appears. So what is this telling us? Guys, in our friendships, we got to consider the person that we're talking to more than just getting off our chest what we want to express. So often the greatest mistakes in friendships is it's more about us than about the friend that we're making. To be careful, you have to have some knowledge of the person. Who are they? What's their background? What's their story? What are they going through today? We've got to learn to be careful. Now both these verses tell us two things that we need to be careful with. The first one, careful with timing. Now, all the brothers here I know are going to agree on this. So, wives, sisters, 
If you really have something on your heart you want to express, obviously, candor, expressing what's on your heart, that's a great thing. But, if it's the last minute of the fourth quarter of their favorite team, that is the absolutely worst and wrong time to want to share your heart. Right? Do you agree with me, brothers? So, even though it's right for you to share your heart, it's wrong in the timing of it. And you're not going to get the desired response anyway. So there's a timing. But this is true also, brothers, when your wives are doing their amazing job of being hospitable in their home and, and they're trying to get the meal ready for the guests that are coming over, it is not the time to bring up any topic that you want to talk about. I don't care what it is. All you should do is shut your mouth and get your hands to work to help. Right, sisters? See, timing. You need to be careful. But also, we need to be careful with content. What actually are we talking about? And again, even right content in the wrong time is wrong. Did you catch that from those two verses? See, it's a problem if we're not careful. We've got to be sensitive in the situation when we're talking with someone, when we're building a friendship. We need to consider all the outlying situations. See, we need to match the content of our speech with the immediate circumstances. So I want to deal with something. Sarcasm. Okay? I want to deal with this because I think there's some of us who think it's okay. I'd like to share a few thoughts about that. And I'm as guilty as anyone with sarcasm. Even the last time I did this lesson, I was sarcastic with someone right before I got up here. And I had to apologize because I can't preach this until I repent. So I had to ask forgiveness. And I've noticed even since the week I first did this, I was like, oh man, this is so hard. But I think you're going to be convinced sarcasm is not spiritual. That's right. Let's look at it. Here's the first thing about sarcasm. Sarcasm fosters insecurity. So usually it comes out of a place of insecurity into a place of insecurity. Why are we sarcastic? If you really find the answer, you'll find that there's an insecurity in you. And what it often produces is not confidence or encouragement in the other person. No one leaves from sarcasm going, wow, that was such a great conversation. And yet we think it's okay. Sarcasm interferes with authentic community. See, the things we say sarcastically are often the things we're unable to say seriously but still feel. So we say what we feel sarcastically so we don't have to be held responsible for our true feelings. Sarcasm is a mask. It's hypocrisy. Because there's a little truth to it all. But you're not mature enough to have the candor to just speak openly. So you're sarcastic. So then if they don't like you, you say, you're just not funny. That's not good. Sarcasm undermines true humor. Have you ever really had a great belly laugh with a sarcastic comment? No. Sarcasm is not really funny. And definitely not to the person you're sarcastic with. So we're, we're giving up authentic humor to be insecure and create insecurity. But here's the one I like the best. Sarcasm is the language of bullies. 
Sarcasm can be used as a way to attack other people without giving them a chance to respond. It's like a kid with a bat in one hand and a trash can lid in the other. When you say a sarcastic, biting comment, you swing with the bat. You then defend yourself with a lid by saying you were only joking, which then allows you to take a second swing with the bat by accusing the listener of having no sense of humor. Ooh, it got real quiet in here. So guys, I understand sarcasm. I understand a lot of us have relationships, but here's the thing. Is it spiritual? No. And so we've got to ask ourselves. Now, I do think the better you know someone, the more grace they're going to give you toward it. But shouldn't we have more meaningful conversations in our friendships than sarcasm? Is that the best we have to offer in our communication with one another? And you don't think the Scriptures back this. Look at this passage. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. You know, right when I was doing this lesson, I actually got a text. And the actual Greek word behind the word sarcasm means tear flesh. So if you don't think sarcasm's wrong, that alone ought to tell you. Just defining its origin. It tears flesh. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk. None. Zero. But only what is helpful. If you actually follow up with any group of people or person that you're sarcastic with, and you come with them later and ask them if it was actually helpful, almost every single one will say no. If they're honest. Is it helpful? Helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit... See, sarcasm is really about benefiting you than it is benefiting those who listen. Everything we say, how we communicate, should be for the benefit of the person we're talking to. This was Jesus. You, if you just follow along all the dialogues of Jesus, He would speak with candor. He would speak the truth. But He was careful. And He always had in the back of His heart and His mind the concern for the person He was talking to. How about us? What's coming out of our mouths? Is what we're saying to one another wholesome? Is it helpful? And not helpful for you. Some of us, it's helpful to us because we just get off our chest what we're thinking and feeling without any repercussion or even concern for how it will affect the person we're sharing it with. Is it helpful to them, not to you, by what we communicate? This is challenging. Is it even beneficial? See, when we're truly careful, we know what to say, when to say it, and even when not to say anything at all. That's careful. See, the phrase, according to their needs, that can imply the need of the moment, so that's referring to timing, or the need of the particular person or group. Will that content affect that person differently? Because we all respond differently, right? And the content, you also have to consider how you share it. Is it yelling? Is it too soft? How we communicate is also important in all this. See, carefulness will consider both the content and the timing, but most importantly, the person themselves. It might be better for us to go and ask some questions of each other first before we just get off our chest what we want to get off. 
How many times have you just thrown some stuff out and then you find out as you just listen finally how they've had just this miserable day and you just made it worse? We don't know what people are going through and if we're not even willing to ask, we're going to make some huge mistakes. It was just even the other day when I was at a restaurant inviting the waitress. Little did I know, but fortunately I was wise and didn't throw anything out there, but just kind of gleaned some information found out that her father passed away just last week. But because I, I was careful, I was able to, to reach out to her, even invite her out to church. She actually said, you know, I need a family. You know, but what if I just said something really stupid because I didn't even consider who this person is and what they're experiencing this week. And we need to have better friendships to where we care more about the person than what we get out of it. We need to be careful. So how about Jesus? Does he, is He careful with us? Oh yes, He is. Look at this passage in Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Jesus has given us the Spirit that is careful with us. Did you see what it said? That even when you don't know what to say, you don't have the right content, the Spirit senses that. It understands what's going on. And if it determines that if it spoke bluntly, if it spoke too boldly, if it spoke harshly, whether it's through the Word or through another person, it goes, no, I'm just going to groan. I'm just going to intercede for you with God. The Spirit is careful. So how much more should we be keeping in step with the Spirit as we're building relationships with one another? And if you don't think this is true, how many of you have thought at some point in your Christian life that one of the messages at a midweek or a Sunday had your name as the title? Anyone ever have that? Okay. And if you don't you know, engage here soon, I'll add your name. Okay. It's easy to do. I see you. You see me. I see you too. People forget that. Like, I can see if you're reading your Bible or not. But see, we got to understand the Spirit knows. How does this happen? How is it that suddenly they know all about you? Was I watching? Do I have someone spying on you? I don't have the time. I have enough sin in my own life to deal with. I don't have time to deal with yours. But I know this. If you're a baptized disciple of Jesus with the gift of the Holy Spirit, that when you're going through a hard time where you don't even know what to say, you don't even know how to communicate, the Spirit is interceding for you. And it's talking to God. And therefore, other disciples who have that same Spirit, they're talking to God. And guess what the Spirit does? It says, hey, you might want to talk about this. Hey, you might want to ask this question. And suddenly I'm putting a message together and I have no idea that your name's on it. And all of a sudden, I'm preaching because I feel led by the Spirit. But where did that come from? The Spirit within you. And that's why you're going, how did He know? I don't! But the Spirit does. Jesus is careful with us. Don't you appreciate that? And shouldn't we have that same Spirit with one another? Amen. Then let's learn to be careful. That leads to the last one. Counsel. Okay, this is a touchy one. I think I need to explain something here. What's counsel? 
counsel actually, if you really do it correctly, and we'll see that from the Scriptures, is not to just find people that will say what you want them to say. That's not counsel, that's just agreeers. Counsel is actually thinking of people that might have a different opinion than what you want to say or do or think. That's counsel. It's gathering actually multiple people, not one source. Counsel's plural. It's not singular. So before we even get into this, you got to understand, well, I seek advice. If you're only seeking the confirmation of what you already decided to do, you're not seeking advice. You're not seeking counsel. You're seeking people to disagree with you. So, counsel. Let's go to the wisdom literature again. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 24, 6, the Holman Christian Standard Version. For you should wage war with sound guidance. Victory comes with many counselors. Proverbs 27, 9, also the Holman Christian Standard. Oil and incense bring joy to the heart, and the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Do we have counsel in our lives? Because we need it. We need it for all areas of our life. You know, I was challenged this last week a little bit about this in an area of counsel is weight loss. My wife's been bugging me for months to do Weight Watchers with her. I'm like, no, I know how to lose weight. I've done it before. I'll do it again. You know, I was being defensive. But finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to just trust her counsel for a minute. I'm going to commit to it. Oh, man. I feel like I have a 24-7 counselor now judging everything I eat. And I'm not talking about Leanne. I'm talking about that stupid app. I started realizing I was eating meals that would have taken up my full day's points. And I was having three of those a day. And then I did the stupid mistake of going to a grocery store and scanning, because you got a little scan and you can get the barcode and it tells you how many points. So cool, right? Oh man, everything I ate was like 20 points and I only get 30 a day. I'm like, oh, oh. I just started crying at the end of the aisle. And 24-7, I got to plug this in. And that's why I said, Lee, I don't want to do this. I want it. Now I'm like addicted. I'm like, water, zero. Yes. I'm like on search of all zero items. Because I'm hungry. And you might think, well, Derek, really? That objective counsel, because I can't blame my wife, it's the app. I've lost seven pounds in four days. Yeah. I'm doing this for three months. That's my commitment. My goal is 25 pounds. I think it could be done. But I tell you, it was humbling to be counseled on my previous understanding and realize I'm wrong. That how I thought isn't really how it works. I really recommend it. You can choose whatever weight loss program you want, but I'll tell you, when you start realizing what you eat and how that adds up, man, it changes everything. Man, I've had more cauliflower, apples, fruit, vegetables than I've had like in months. Because there was zero. But then the things I would like to... I can't eat out anymore, man. It's like everything's 20 automatically. So I have to like fast the other two meals. You know? But I needed counsel. 
What about in your different areas of your life? How are your quiet times really going? How important would it be to get counsel in how you study the Bible? How important would it be to get counsel on how to be better at praying? How would it be good to be, get counsel on how to be pure or to be righteous? Do we not need counsel? But how many of us are really seeking that? And are we even qualified to give counsel? You want to know how to have a great dating relationship? You don't go ask a single who doesn't have a dating relationship. You also don't go ask a dating relationship that's doing poorly. You ask one who's doing great. One that could sharpen you, that can call you higher. Marriage, parenting. The list goes on and on, guys. We all need counsel. And it's funny how we're open to it in areas that we want. Like if it's my business, I don't mind having someone tell me how to be better. If it's in music, a, a trainer, a coach, a sports, oh yeah, I, that's okay. But hey, you get out of my spiritual business. You're not being wise. We all need counsel. Here's a great quote from Gordon MacDonald. Since there is a certain niceness to a friendship where I can be, as they say, myself, but what I really need are relationships in which I'll be encouraged to become better than myself. Myself needs to grow a little each day. I don't want to be myself I was yesterday. I want to be the myself that is developing each day to be more like Christ. That's not going to happen without counsel. That's the kind of friendships we need to have with one another. That we can advise. Now again, advice is only advice. It's not a command. But a wise person listens to it. You have to ultimately make the decision. You ultimately have to have the conviction. I'm not going to follow along with you on that advice. You're going to have to live it out and live with the outcome. But man, get as much as you can. Because it can really save you in many, many ways. How does Jesus show us counsel? As He's called us His friends. John 14, the last scripture. Verse 25. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, the Father will send Him in My name and will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. How good is Jesus in His friendship with us, with counsel? Even when He left, He was concerned about it for you. See, that must have been a challenging time. Three years, 24-7, day in, day out, looking, seeing, following, imitating Jesus in the flesh. And now all of a sudden He says, and I have a great mission for you. Go out and make disciples of all nations. But I won't be with you. I'm going. See you guys. I'll be waiting up there. Preparing a room for you though. No, he didn't leave us hanging. See, because in his flesh, he was limited in how many people he could counsel. Just as any of us are limited in how many people we can impact, right? So Jesus had a better way. He says, I'm leaving. Why? So I can send a counselor that actually can come into each and every one of you and can lead you in the way everlasting. It can guide you in every aspect of your life. But here's the, the trick. You have to be really careful. Oh, the Spirit told me. How do you know? How do you know what the Spirit told you? 
The Scriptures tell me the Spirit only tells you what Jesus would. So the Spirit's telling you something that's contradictory to Jesus' teachings. It's not the Holy Spirit, but it may be an evil one. You can't tell me. The Spirit told me. The Scriptures are the only way to know if the Spirit is actually speaking. So how important is it, brothers and sisters, if we want counsel daily in our lives to make it to heaven, to be in God's Word? It is vital. I'd rather you miss every Sunday sermon, but be in the Bible every morning. That will get you to heaven way more than coming to this. Now I'm not saying don't come to this because we are commanded to do that, amen? And we need fellowship. But I'd rather give up my job as a preacher if every single one of you would daily be in the Word of God to hear the Spirit of God ignited in your soul and be able to guide you to live like Jesus. I'd give it up in a second. So guys, how can we have counsel in our lives if we're not in the Word? The Word can guide us. We've got to listen to it. We've got to follow it. We've got to keep in step with it. It's a powerful thing. Jesus is our counselor through His Holy Spirit. It says it will even remind you of everything He told you. I wonder which voice we're listening to more of our day. This is why I do think it's important. Get the Word in you in the morning. Get that voice first. Otherwise, what voices are actually guiding us? And we have all kinds, from your boss, to your brother, to your teacher, to your neighbor, to a stranger, to the media, has like millions of voices. We need only one voice to get us home. And that's the Holy Spirit. I hope you now see how important in friendships, we need to be careful, but we also need counsel. See, Jesus wants us to be more than servants. He wants to experience more than just fellowship. He wants us to be friends. Friends like He is with us. And how He was with the apostles. That's what He wants us to be with each other. So to build biblical friendships, let's remember all four. We need constancy. We need that dependability, that faithfulness. We need candor, the ability to speak the truth in love. But we also need to match that with carefulness. Because even right content at the wrong time does damage. So we need to concern the person as being more important than what we want to communicate. And lastly, if we truly want to mature and become like Jesus, then we need to both receive, seek, and give counsel to one another. I believe if we follow these things, if we take this wisdom and apply it in our lives, not only will we be friends of Jesus, will we be friends with each other, but we will make great, long-lasting, eternal friends with the people that God puts in our path. And what a day when all those friends come together, when we go to that home that Jesus is preparing, and those friendships get to be shared for eternity. Let's go to God in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord God, I want to thank You. Thank You for the wisdom that You have to teach us how to build true biblical friendships. Today we saw carefulness. We're so thankful to the concern and sensitivity that Your Holy Spirit has even in our own lives. That even when we don't know what to say, it will intercede for us. God, I thank You also though for Your counsel. That a Holy Spirit is with us 24-7. We are never without a place to seek input and direction. But God, as we embrace these things in our own lives, help us to have these principles in the relationships we build with one another. And in particular, 
as we build friendships with people in the world who are lost and don't know the incredible joy, the incredible value of true biblical friendships. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.